everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I have a terrific lineup of writers tonight, and I'm starting off with a bang with author George Weinstein. Um, George has been writing since he was six years old. Um, he wrote a collection of superhero plays for his stuffed animals to act out, you know, just to entertain his brother and his sister. I kind of know what that's like having, well, being the oldest of all the kids. Um, his, his folks said that um, he loved telling lies, even when there was no penalty for telling the truth. So, you know, that's a writer. That's that's somebody with a fiction brain already. Um, his books are, a current one is a suspense thriller called Watch What You Say. Um, he has a southern mystery called Aftermath. And then a modern relationship drama, The Caretaker. And then one historical southern novel called Hard Scrabble Road and a novel of forgotten U.S. history called The Five Destinies of Carlos Moreno. I'm thrilled to welcome to the studio author George Weinstein. Welcome to Authors on the Air, George. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's a thrill. I'm I'm pleased that you're here because you write in so many different genres, and, and I'm just fascinated by by how you do that. But first of all, I want to talk to you about when you were six years old and you were writing superhero stories, how how did you how did that happen? Were you were your parents always reading to you? Were you watching uh, uh, cartoons with superheroes? How, how did that come about? You know, I think as soon as I could read on my own, I started writing these these plays. So as as soon as I could read competently I wanted to start writing and the the thing that occurred to me you know being a a little kid uh and influenced by cartoons and comic books and such was you know I'll just have these uh I'll do these superhero plays um because you know I had a collection of stuffed animals I thought well I'll just put capes on them and you know and then invent stories about them and uh (laughs) You know, it was it was, you know, and then I would perform these plays, you know, reading reading from my script, uh, with my brother and sister sitting there agog, wondering what is happening, <laughs> why is he doing this? <laughs> That's so funny. Were you did you continue writing through elementary all the way through your your schooling and into college, or um, I, you know, I did. What was your, um, you I, did. I, I, I wrote oh, short stories okay. and you know tried to submit them, get published, and got used to rejection very early on. Well, there you go. As as is the way with a lot of writers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, did you study creative writing when you left high school? I I took a class here and there, but uh, I really learned how to write by reading other reading just terrific yes. writers you know and just going to school on you know what you know if there was a book i really enjoyed why did i enjoy it what what was the writer doing uh that i could do you know so i uh i often think of writing like doing magic because you're taking these really an entirely made up thing you know language <laughs> Yes, and, and written language is entirely invented. We have to be taught everything about it. And yet, if you can take this completely made-up thing, this lie, 
and make a reader feel genuine, true feelings, that's doing magic. And it really is. When I and when I would be reading, I would be studying the magicians, uh, you know, the the writers who I loved, and just figuring out how they did their magic tricks. You know, how did they make me cry? How did they make me laugh? How did they make me feel angry? How did they make me, you know, scared? Who were some of the writers that you feel like you learned at the feet of? Uh, a lot of genre writers. So, um, you know, back when I was reading, uh, you know, mysteries in the in the seventies and eighties, uh, you know, it was the classic Ellery Queen and oh yeah, uh, you know, all all of those books, Nero Wolf and. Uh, and on and on, and uh, and I just love the British authors. Um, their their command of language uh, was just just so spot on. Um, it is that really helped. It really helped my vocabulary. So, uh, you know, so I I read broadly, and I think that's why I write broadly, uh, because uh, you know, even as a little kid, I wrote I read very very broadly. Wow. Someone's calling you. That's okay. <laughs> they don't know you're doing a live radio show, but it's okay. You may hear a cat howl in the background. So, you know, this is about as real as it gets. I am a yeah, John and I got the dog lover, walked too. Up. <laughs> oh, oh well, that, you don't have to do that. We like them to bark. We're all pet lovers in this network. So, um <laughs> You are a genre fiction lover, and so am I, so I, I totally get the idea, and I was very honored to be invited to London to their inaugural Capital Crime Book Festival, where I met a lot of my favorite British writers and interviewed them, so I, I get what you're saying. Their language is totally different, um, and, and it's fascinating to listen to them, how they create their stories. So I, I understand your love of that type of, of writing. Um, it gets me every time. So I know you've written several books before, and um, you've gotten really great reviews on all your books. So um, congratulations on that. And um, you're welcome. And I love your covers. They're all different. Um, everything is, you know, it. it it's so unique. Each book is so stand out from others. So, um, and you have fabulous reviews on all of your work. So I know this book is fairly new for you. So uh, watch what you say is, was particularly fun for me to read. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe it's because <laughs> it's a web-based per- radio person. That would be me. So let's talk about this book, if you will. Start off with telling us about Bo and where her her personality. Let's let's talk about her first as a character. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Bo Riccardi, my my heroine, uh, she has a uh, a gift called uh, chromesthesia, which mm-hmm. is. Uh, uh, a form of synesthesia, which overall means a blending of senses. So um, between 5 to 15% of the world's population experiences some some version of synesthesia where, uh, in Bo's case with chromesthesia, she basically uh, sees colors and shapes in every sound. So she uh, hears with her eyes, if you will, as, as much as her ears. 
And uh, in Bo's case, uh, she is able to interpret what she has seen. So if somebody's talking, she can read their mood and she can read their intent. Uh, she can literally watch what they say. And that makes her the ultimate BS meter. She, you know, people cannot get a lie past her, and that makes her a crackerjack interviewer. Wow. Wow. Can, I just can't imagine having that type of a thing. Uh, it would be interesting to step into her shoes for a day or not. Maybe not. Maybe it's, it's it kind of blend, it kind of messes with your mind. So, it's a blessing um, and a curse. It is, as as are all special things, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. let's talk about what happens to Oscar and where this yep, story so I, picks up steam. Yep. Uh, so so Oscar is uh, Bo's husband, and uh, he is kidnapped. And the purpose of that is not ransom, um, which is what takes place in most kidnappings. The, the purpose is the kidnapper... <laughs> wants Bo to interview him on the air. So the kidnapper wants a platform, basically stealing Bo's platform, um, so he can spout off and be the you know the hero he's always wanted to be. But he also has a, a deeper, more sinister reason, and that is to drag Bo down. So he wants to basically create as much sensation as possible get the biggest audience possible and then eviscerate Bo live on the air uh, because he blames her for things that happened in his life. It's interesting that, um, I mean, obviously I was interested immediately because of who the character is and her job, but um, it is a very timely book as far as media is concerned because who knows what's going on what's spin and what's truth. And I think most people don't take the time to really investigate what is the truth and what is the lie. And so, and and everybody kind of has their own purpose for speaking out in media these days. So um, it's a particularly timely book, I think in that, um, you know, except no, everybody doesn't have chromesthesia, which would have been nice. But um, just the, the 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 story behind the antagonist and what his what his means and methodology are. So um, kudos to you for for this. It's a really Thank a you. terrific story, and um, readers seem to really enjoy it. You're getting such excellent reviews on it. Um, where was the inspiration for this book? Um, did did something? Ha- do you know someone with chromesthesia? Uh, do you uh, know? I know several people. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, they're they're both they, they both happen to be authors, uh, and I have always been fascinated with with synesthesia and just other you know phenomena phenomena of sure. the mind. Uh, yes. And so I had always wanted to write a book with a, a character who had some form of synesthesia. And I, you know, uh, tried initial drafts with other variations of synesthesia, and they didn't quite work. But as soon as I latched onto the chromesthesia and then, you know, had that uh, aha about, well, what if she could, you know, actually read people's intent? in what they're saying um, and watch what they say, then 
it became pretty obvious about the kind of job that she would, you know, somebody like that would excel in. You know, and it's going to be an interviewing kind of job. And, well, you know, so she could have gone into law enforcement where she would have been, you know, a great closer. Uh, psychology you know, the, or something, mental yeah, health. Psychology, yeah, psychology. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the time I was writing that, I was doing a lot of web radio interviews on uh, a mystery I wrote called Aftermath. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I got fascinated with this very new technology that's really democratized uh, the the media landscape where, well, as you know, for not much money, uh, yes. you can you can have a global audience uh, and and talk to people from all over the world and uh, it's, it, it's yes, you it's can. a really remarkable thing. Uh, and so it, I decided, well, you know, she'll be an interviewer on web, web radio. Well, kudos for that. Um, let's talk about Aftermath because this seems to be one of your fan favorites. Um, and once again, you use a female protagonist. Can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about Aftermath? Yeah, absolutely. In Aftermath, uh, a woman named Janet Wright goes back to the little town in Georgia, tiny little town where she was born and tries to unravel the mystery surrounding her father's murder and her estranged father's murder because uh, her mom took her and her brother away when uh, they were very young uh, and mom was feeling a bad marriage. And so Bo, and so sorry, Janet has had no contact with her dad for 30 plus years. And uh, wow. uh, then she finds out that, you know, her dad, you know, was killed and uh, she is the sole inheritor of his estate well he basically owned this little town in georgia and now she owns this little town in georgia and she owns the the mills and the plants and you know everything that that brings in uh, money and uh, tax revenue Uh, so she suddenly becomes an incredibly important person in this town the most important person in this town um and she's at a point in her life, she's 40 years old and just had a terrible breakup and decides to just chuck everything in New York where she's living and uh, uh, go to this little town and kind of reinvent herself with, uh, you know, more money than she'll need for the rest of her life so she can do whatever she wants. And what she decides to start poking into is her her father's murder. And... Uh, Chaos ensues. <laughs> I would imagine. A, a, a story about a little town trying to hold on to its secrets, and uh, and Janet just cannot help her help pulling on all those strings of the, the web of lies and scandal and, you know, and deceit that has gone on for decades. Wow. Wow. That's, a, that's really great. And especially if you're from a f- small town. I am not. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Miami. So, you know, yeah. our scandals were like on the front page every day. I mean, everybody knew that's about right. them. There were, <laughs> were no secrets there. It was just, you know. <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's, um, here, here's what one of the reviewers said about Aftermath. It has everything I crave in a novel, a perfect blend of mystery and romance, flawlessly crafted dialogue, and an unsinkable heroine with equal parts grit and heart. That's a 
pretty, pretty nice thing to say about a book. So um, I, I think that's terrific. And congratulations to you. Um, I'd like to talk about some other portions of your life, other facets. You are a diehard writer uh, all the way down on the cellular level, so much so that you um, are the head of a writer's group in Atlanta. Is that right? That's right. It's called the Atlanta Writers Club. It's 105 years old, and uh, I was president back in 2004 to 2007 and then just took over again uh, this year for a another term or two as president and uh, it's an organization a nonprofit that has nearly 1100 members wow. uh, 7000 plus person mailing list and uh, uh we get 120 to 150 people at every meeting and uh I also run the Atlanta Writers Conference for the Atlanta Writers Club where I bring in agents and editors twice a year to give our members a chance to get their work seen and, uh, you know, perhaps change a life here and there and uh, wow. have actually so managed to do that. You don't have panels like the, with authors on panels uh, speaking to maybe readers and other authors. You were just simply doing pitch and that's it. Well, that's it's, an interesting uh, conference. It, it, it's educational activities as well, but uh, you know, the, the highlight for a lot of participants is the ability to pitch your work to these agents and editors or, and uh, get your work critiqued. Uh, See, so submit a sample in advance, and they'll uh, uh, give you their feedback about it uh, in these one-on-one -on -one meetings. And then we also do Q&A panels and workshops and things like that about the wow. craft and business of writing. Um, but uh, every once in a while, we can change somebody's life, and that is I'm super motivating. It sure is. Now, the um, the writers group that you run, will you tell me its history, please? Because you were telling me in the green room, and it's fascinating. Uh, yes. Uh, so it was founded back in 1914, and Margaret Mitchell's boss at the Atlanta Journal Sunday Magazine was one of the uh, the founders of the organization. Uh, and and it used to be an invitation only, literal you know, bow tie, tuxedo, ball gown and tails right. kind of uh, club where, you know, uh, only the the elite were invited and, and participated. And, uh, you know, since uh, many years back, uh, it's been democratized. And uh, and now anybody who wants to, to join can join. They don't, they don't have to apply. They can just join because they're interested in learning more about writing. Was Margaret Mitchell a member, or was she? Probably... I have never been able to find proof of that. I would love to find her name on a register. And I we wonder have if they even let women, if they let women in. Did they? Did they well, allow oh, women absolutely. writers? In, oh, okay. Um, in 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 fact, the the first two or three presidents were all women, and uh, and the club uh, has always been. Probably sixty to seventy percent female at any any one time. Um, you know, That's uh, we're joiners. We, we, we're joiners. We, <laughs> we, we, we yeah, like the social and, and, stuff. And, and leaders, you know, <laughs> right. uh, they were they were often the leaders, and uh, and now it's a very diverse organization where uh, you know not only women as well as men, of course, but uh, just every every racial and ethnic group, um, all ages. Oh, we have. 
we have people who are you know in their you know late teens early 20s all the way to uh, i've got a picture of me and a, a member who's 104 years old so she's <gasps> one year younger oh, than wow. the organization and she's oh, still goodness. writing and still getting around uh what a treasure woman yeah what a treasure now um let me ask you what is the nonprofit tiger flight foundation okay so this is a this is a group of pilots who do leadership talks for kids uh, and they're uh, located in Rome, Georgia and they asked me to write an adventure story called Jake and the Tiger Flight uh, where I would slip in their leadership messages uh, kind of almost subliminally within an adventure story so Mm -hmm. you know kids would read it for the adventure and hopefully they would take away the, the leadership things through osmosis, uh, and that was my the very first time I really made money writing was was writing that book for them. They still sell it their hanger, and you know still do these leadership talks for kids. So every once in a while somebody will say, "Oh, I read that book you know years ago." Are you a pilot? I am not, uh, but I was one of those kids who. You know, I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had all the Apollo patches and, you know, rocket ships and space shuttles hanging from my ceiling and stuff. I always wanted to be a pilot or an astronaut. So, you know, when they approached me, real-life pilots, oh, it was like being a kid again. And I got to take countless rides in their planes, uh, you know, so I could take notes. How fun. How fun. Well, if you like flying, if you like flying, which, you know, to me, it's just a place to get from point A to point B. There's nothing fun about it for me, but I know other people who love it. I noticed that you were included in an anthology called A Cup of Comfort for Writers. I am familiar with that, but I actually have it on my shelf. I did not realize that you, because it's been a long time since I I read it, but um, I did not realize that you have a story in there. Um, yeah. How did that come about for you, George? Uh, it's called 23 and a Half Love Letters, and it's about how I uh, learned to write really all over again by uh, writing writing love letters. Um, because, you know, when you're writing a love letter, your heart is on the line, and, you know, you're trying to make every word count. You're really focusing on pacing and you know, word choice and just all the elements that are really the foundation for good writing, you know, in a novel or a, or a nonfiction work. Uh, so it, it really taught me uh, a lot of what I needed to know uh, to to then go on and write novels. Interesting. So what are you working on now? Uh, you've You've got these diverse books that, that um, do not, are not, series each one right. is totally and completely different um what will you be doing next uh so i'm finally writing sequels um so oh. my best-selling book is is hard scrabble road um mm-hmm. and it's sold hands down you know 10 times more copies than than anything else i've written and people have been begging me for years to write a sequel so i'm finally working on a sequel to that and I'm also simultaneously outlining a sequel that brings Beau Riccardi from Watch What You Say into the same universe as Janet Wright from Aftermath. And I pair them up 
and I'm going to send them on Thelma and, Thelma and Louise kind of, you know, adventures where they'll be oh, solving mysteries and, uh, and, you know, knocking heads together, but, you know, eventually coming to appreciate one another because they're both very strong-willed people, um, and they both want to be at the wheel. So it's really Thelma and Thelma. <laughs> There you go. Well, George, tell everyone where they can find you on the webs and social media, please. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my website is uh, simply my name, George Weinstein, W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. And uh, I'm on uh, Facebook primarily. I have a Twitter account, but I have to be honest, uh, uh, it's, it's it's underutilized. And uh, so Facebook is probably the, <laughs> the best place to find me. I, I know what you mean about Twitter. I hate going on there. So there is a way to tie your Facebook post to your Twitter account automatically, mm-hmm. which is what yeah. I do because I'm too lazy to do it. And I don't yeah. want to go on there. I can't read all that stuff. It makes me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's like a war zone when you go on Twitter and try to read through all your feeds. So um, I just assume, you know, play in my Facebook sandbox. <laughs> Yeah, Although that's right. we do have, I think collectively we have about a million and a half social media friends, but that's collectively with all the book review staff and, and the hosts and the network. So it's really lovely. Um, George, I'm so thrilled that you came today. I want to repeat that the name of the book is Watch What You Say. And um, it is about, well, the the protagonist is a web-based radio personality. How could I not love that? Um, I wish you all success with your book. And, um, thank you. and thank you for being with me. And happy holidays. Oh, happy holidays to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. It, it has been my pleasure. And listeners, please go out and get that book. You can find it in online anywhere you want to go. And um, look up George, go follow him on Facebook, and and go check out his website. It's a lovely, lovely site. Good luck on the rest of your books tour. Thank you for being with me, everybody, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. (laughs) 